Good afternoon, planet Earth. Good afternoon to the various hordes that live near Maui. Good afternoon to the ancient folk of Australia, the Aboriginals, who speak the truth of the Hopi. Good afternoon to the great snake that will one day devour us, devour us, eat us alive according to the Viking or something. Good afternoon to the wolf that watches over the cosmos. Good afternoon to the bear that watches over the sea. Good afternoon to the dog that is a star far away. There are a people in Africa that knew it was there. Good afternoon to the shark that hunts in the ocean. Good afternoon to the fishermen that hunt for the shark. Good afternoon. It is Monday. Almost 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in the great state of Utah. It is January the 30th, 2023, Boblimpdok. We have lived in the age of the grungle beast and the, the fruncto and the, the cornflower freak and the fucking coffee filter horde for three years now. For three years... We've lived according to the laws of the fearful, the laws of the coward. That's right. Oh, but what about grandma? What about grandpa? What about Uncle Gumbus? What about Aunt Marie? Don't you care about them? Don't you care, Dan, about all the old people being killed by the COVID-19? And the simple answer, the easy answer is, I care when anybody is harmed, especially if I know them. I can't really have feelings for abstract populations, so sorry. I've given up on the being connected all the time bullshit. That's your brain on drugs, not mine. I've given up on it. I... I I have a phone right now that's technically a smartphone, but you should ask me, how many apps have I actually started up? And the answer is zero. I mean, maybe I used the browser and that was about it. And, and the basic utilities like texting. But as far as like being connected, being fed, having some discus feed or other kind of TikTok feed or Instagram feed or timeline from Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever the fuck. Could be mines, could be some other kind of crooked crypto social media. I don't give a fuck if it's steam it. I don't have to populate my brain with the madness. If, if someone says to me, Dan, I really like your vibe. I like where you're going a little less stressful a little less real? And the answer is yes, but that cuts both fucking ways. I am almost totally disinterested in the news at this point. I look at it because my morbid curiosity 
still transcends my desire for mental health. You know, I have a morbid fucking schadenfreude ridden, Jesus knows this better than anybody else, kind of curiosity. It's why I like horror films, you know? As a Christian, I should probably not like horror films, you know, scary movies, but I do. And actually, when I think about it, it I think it makes a kind of sense. Um, you know, during the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church would sponsor various types of theatrical troops. And they would go around Europe telling morality tales. They would go around Europe describing hell. And you'd pay a few fliggins, you'd pay a skurg, you'd pay whatever drunken you had in your drinking pocket. And these were hell movies. I mean, people mock Mel Gibson for The Passion of the Christ and, you know, Jim Caviezel for playing Jesus. But the fact is, during the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church utilized resources to, you know, I guess you could say keep theater alive, but they had to teach the party line, and which was tell a morality story. And if someone's going to hell, hell better look like shit. Hell better look terrible. Hell better have torture. It can be fake torture. That's up to the stage team. You know what I'm saying? It cuts both ways, brothers and sisters. If you enjoy the vibe of my podcast, trying to be a little less serious and putting the news at the end and trying to race through the headlines, and the, and the reason why I go to Zero Hedge once again, and if anybody from Zero Hedge ever listened, they should know this, is because of all the crap out there. It is in that Churchillian, you know, paraphrase quote kind of sense, the least crappy. It doesn't mean that I like all the Epic Times articles or all the Bitcoin Magazine articles or, frankly, a lot of the other talking head bullshit. But compared to almost everywhere else, it's less shitty. Is that a compliment? I don't know. I think it is in a way. I mean, if they're legit people, if they're legit trying to do journalism of some sort or at least source it out, then even if I don't like their you know, editorial choices it still means they're at least trying. And the problem is you can't know this. I can't intuit that. I can intuit the front page. I don't need to. I can look at it. And then I can draw any kind of rational conclusion. But I can't figure out why they make their editorial choices. You know, Bitcoin Magazine seems to have an article there every other day. And I kind of think the crypto world is fairly corrupt at this point. Have I been deeply involved? No. I, I stuck my big toe into the crypto world in 2017, Bo Blimp Doc. And in part because I had one person in my life who really, really believed that's how we would, you know, get a business started. That's how we would get investors. And I think the person at the time was earnest. I still want to believe that. But I don't think the crypto world is an earnest place. I think it's filled with a lot of very crooked, crooked, crooked people. So, yeah, I stuck my toe into that bullshit. And I don't know if I have any listeners that are huge into crypto. What you need to know about me is simply this. I want to live in a free world. 
if you want to use crypto to facilitate transactions in a free world and your shit works, there's a very good chance at some point I will adopt. Am I an early adopter? Uh, I don't know. I got my first mobile phone when I was 31. I'm definitely not an early adopter. I didn't have my first email address until I was 28. Yeah, not an early adopter at all. You know, I got my first modern computer, more or less. I mean, I had a couple before it, but technically this was my first sort of I'm in the world computer when I was 28. And, and I immediately went online and AOL said, you got mail. And, and, all the, and all the subject lines were, here are the pictures you've been waiting for. I think that was in December of 1998. Here are the pictures you've been waiting for, Dan. Yeah. Of course it was porno. But uh, I had a lot of porno links and emails in my inbox, and at least somebody out there cared. It was my, basically, I didn't know it yet, because I didn't resign my commission until the spring of 99, but it was more or less my last year in the Army. And um, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I am a late adopter. If you think I'm a jerk about crypto, understand that a lot of my skepticism especially when it came to the internet, has been proven out over the years. Has been absolutely proven out. And if you want to understand what our system favors and doesn't, you should spend some time in the radio world. I mean, get yourself a CB radio. Set it up correctly. I have a friend who will help you get the right kind of radio and just learn to use a CB. Believe it or not, conditions are pretty good right now. People are reaching out and talking to people across the continent, sometimes across the ocean. So you don't need a license for CB, but here's what you'll learn. Every radio is different. Nothing interfaces with anything. You get into the ham world, it only gets worse. If you think that's accidental, you are a fool, okay? Everything in terms of reducing costs in technology for the last pretty much since, um, I think it was the Colt Firearms Company that revolutionized you know, manufacturing with the assembly line. So let's say everything since at least the 1850s has been about standardizing. And then you go to the, the ham radio world and almost everything is a little fucking different. Um, and so nothing really works with anything else. And then you try to do digital shit with it. And even though in theory it should be relatively seamless, the year is 2023 Bo Um, no. It reminds me of, of, of interfaces from the 90s, you know, working on modems and shit. And does it have to be like that? The simple answer is no. So why is it? And I can tell you why. It's really not very complicated. They want you to have your, your smart device next to you. I call it a dog collar. You call it what you want to. Because they can turn that shit on and they can turn it off. They do not want you to have your own little network of digital transceivers. Yeah, the bandwidth is not very fast, but if all you're doing is sending simple messages, it's fast enough. It definitely works like an alternative to email, 
and there is no hardware software infrastructure between you and the other person. And right now I'm talking specifically about an application called JSA Call because they've pretty much been um, trail, trailblazing. You can go to jsacall.com. You can learn more yourself. I'm using it right now mainly for decoding because my project's been on hold for about nine months and breaking my arm didn't really help a lot. Is it getting better? Yeah. Is the physical therapy getting better and easier? Yeah. But it's still very tight, very sore. Um, I use my keyboard, both hands now, and, and it feels right, feels helpful, feels like it helps the arm. But at the same time, it's going to take a while. Um, anywho, that's a real random walk just now. All over the place, brothers and sisters, all over the place. It's one of those things. Um, but like I said, it's January 30th, 2023. And it's just after 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. A lot of you folks out there have lived lives. Crazy fucking lives. Lives where you found yourself running through the wilderness being chased by one or more beasts. Some of you have sailed on sailing ships and have crossed the seas, roaming the oceans despite the size and height of the waves. Some of you have flown in airplanes. You are pilots. You fly your plane too close to the sun. Some of you Some of you, some of you desire to live on the edge. Some of you are okay with living rough. Living so rough that you use your own clothes as toilet paper. Yeah, I know, Jonathan Swift had his modest proposal. In the spring of 2020, I was going to write my own essay called In Lieu of Toilet Paper. <laughs> dirty laundry, Dan. Well, it's dirty, baby. So why does it hurt to add a little bit more, baby? And if you say, well, Dan, if you leave it there for weeks on end and the moths get a chance to get in there and other creatures, you'll have holes in your shirts and shit because, you know, you gave it a manure process and it's all your fault and you'll have poop stains on your t-shirts. And I don't really give a shit, man. It was the spring of 2020. The human race looked like ass. So I lived like ass. I'm not proud of myself, folks. I just revealed, this is a big reveal. It's gross, disgusting, but during the great toilet paper shortage, which was also a money shortage, a cash shortage, yeah, I did some pretty gross shit. And you know what? I bet a lot of other dudes out there living rough did too. And you'd say, I never lived that rough, Dan. You don't know how rough you'd live until you had to live it real rough. 
And you say, you don't have to be gross if you're rough. Well, yeah, actually you do. Part of being rough is getting down greasy and dirty. Do you have lines in the sand? Do you have something you won't do? Do you have limits of behavior? Of course, baby. You won't do head to get some smack. You won't make love to some crazy old lady to get cocaine, right? you might do it for a beer. You might do it for a pizza. I ate monkey pasta. And related stories of my conquests. The eight sibling armies gathered near my old home. The one where my hooker wife took Skleeg foam and rubbed one out and told my mama that I was dealing again. We slept in grease baskets down near the wharf and we ate chili cheese and drank the wine. The wine of shame. There were kettle corn pros washing themselves in the gutter. They'd been out all night turning tricks and making gravy. Cooley, the chief pimp, made sure their bodies were covered in honey butter, and then he gives the speech. Don't hold out on me, hoes. Don't hide the money. Don't hold out on me, hoes. Don't hide it in your skliz hole. Don't hold out on me, hoes. Don't hide the money from me. I will check your skliz hole. I will check your buvula. His women lived in fear. That's a rough life, baby. The life of a prostitute. It's hard. It's, it's a terrible life. And because it exists in the gray area of American law... And because it's technically a crime of some sort in many places, a lot of women get taken advantage of. That's a little bit of an editorializing about rough living, but I'd have to say being a... Well, I think the internet may have helped here. But before the internet, I mean, if you were a prostitute, you were playing Russian roulette. And somebody you ended up with could be terrible. And that can, that can still happen. So anywho, I don't think it's funny, but yeah... Cooley, his women, lived in fear because he would check everywhere. And if you don't know what a skliz hole is or a buvula, I'm not going to explain words that you might think are dirty because I don't want to confuse you. Fuck her.
A time was spent in the Amazon, the jungle, learning ancient lessons from the medicine man and the chief's daughter, Haliza. We spent so many sweaty days trapped in the green mansion looking for our earthy well-being, and yet, yet, my manpipe got infected by a bug or reptile, and it leaked lebum juice all day. That was bad. When you travel the swampy way, when you see the cattle queens moving their homesteads west, that's when you grab the groin of the motherfuckers and power up your antimatter cannon. You can't trust regular bare anal artists. You have to trust the Princess of Delaware. trust the princess of Delaware. I spent some time in the early aughts hanging out with the Scruzos of New Jersey. We would have coffee at old Buckley's Meat House. The, the dudes would show up and say, hey, did you take care of that thing for me? And I'd say, you mean the thing or the other thing? And they'd say that thing. And I said, okay. Yeah, I took care of it. And they'd say, were there any problems? I say, no, no, nothing that couldn't be taken care of. I hung out with these people. It was rough. It was crazy. Rough living. Rough living with a crew. When you know you'll never be a made man. I'm not Sicilian, baby. But I would be one of those, you know, those wise guys, those good fellas, the ones you really love. I would dine near Atlantic City. I would live underneath the boardwalk with my friend Yug and his harlot wife, and we would we would eat seagull. Yug's wife would pick out the parasites. We would dry them to be a kind of jerky the next day, the worms. Yes, the life underneath the boardwalk was rough and filled with, you know, spent needles and other types of biological medical waste. Yeah. But it was rough. It was rough living. I married the last banshee wench of Chicago. She curdled my butter and left me wanting more. 
I once lived near a chemical factory near Grinkentown. I worked in the bowels of that place. I worked deep, deep underground. I worked where they dump stuff. They dump stuff you're not supposed to talk about. Yes. There was this tulip field I worked when I was, you know, 11 years old. Out there in Washington State, not far from Scompton. We would work in the fields picking bulbs, tulip bulbs, out of the ground. In the hot sun, our bosses would poke at us with their 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 little pitchforks. We would be mocked as we were dehydrated and covered in grunkus. But we were learning values. The value of a hard day's work. If we didn't pick the bulbs fast enough, if we weren't good enough, if we left bulbs behind, bad things would happen. They'd take us to the warehouse where Mr. Hoosgard would beat us, then lock us up in the bulb refrigerator. It was painful. I had my kidney removed by organ thieves. I was left in a bathtub at a dirty hotel. The tub was filled with ice. There was a note that said, Call an ambulance. You are dying. Igloo Dirty was my porn star name. Igloo Dirty was my porn star name when I worked in the Northern Territories of Canada. I had a rough mutton chop type exposure beard going with my face zone and a very large rod. Fact checked. I once designed a chemise for my lover. 
It wasn't made of silk or satin. It wasn't made of some type of fur. It was made of all the lunamum cans turned into a kind of fabric that she'd wear as a chemise. And my lover's eyes were orange and green and angry. And that's how I knew I was in love. And living rough. When we were kids, we had kangaroo meat popsicles. Even during the great meat paste crisis of 1978, Bo Blimptock, we would eat our, really lick our kangaroo meat popsicles in the hot summer sun. They were real kangaroo meat, straight from Australia, filled with vitamins, filled with herbs. When we were younger, we would we would eat skunk pudding. Even if we were being chased by the East Side Hoolies. Back in the 90s, like in 1996, I was driving down to Fort Bliss, Texas to be a missile man, to shoot rockets at planes. I pulled over near Shiprock. An old Navajo medicine man came up to me in that little gas station slash diner. And he said, Son, you're supposed to follow me up into the hills. 20 miles away, follow me onto the reservation, into the hills. Now, this was my first long road trip. And, you know, I was 26. I'd never been on a long road trip ever in my life. Um, the truck I drove was the first vehicle I ever owned. Um, man, it had a sad ending after airborne school in 1997. It, yeah, very sad ending to that beautiful 4x4 Nissan pickup, motherfucker. Four-cylinder stick shift. Yeah, it had the little locking things on the front wheels. What are you, a lazy fuck? Yeah. But it was a nice, beautiful little truck, and it was a workhorse, and it ended up getting crashed and totaled on my way to, you know, basically PTO time or time off between airborne school and going to Korea. And there was a snowstorm, and it was brutal. And I thought I was through the worst of it. And I hit this part of the state highway that was just this almost perfectly blue ice in the sun coming up. I went over a hill. The road was mostly clear. And then in front of me, over the other side, was about a quarter mile of this beautiful blue ice. This was, I think, April 1997, Boblimtok. I think it was April. Yeah, and um, 
I didn't expect it. It could have been early May, to be honest with you. I did not expect, I think it was late April or early May. But the point is, I did not remotely expect that kind of snowstorm that time of year. And I know people who live in the Midwest will say, well, damn, that's normal. I know it's normal for you. It's normal, Dan. arms getting a little bit fuggly you know i gotta do some physical therapy with it too at some point um which i think this counts in a way but i honestly i can't really tell you it's um no folks a lot of people have lived rough lives and i can't really tell you what it means to live a rough life i've been very lucky have I been enormously rich? Well, there have been times I've had I've had pretty good cash flow. And there have been times when I've been totally broke. And I can't really tell you from a steady state Markov model perspective, which is more likely. Um, the last decade, I've had a hard time buying into the professional life because what was what was masquerading as professional seemed actually kind of empty. And, and this is the world of engineering. It may not be super high tech, but it is engineering. And what I was seeing going on was just, it was disheartening. It was not hopeful. It was not good. And it was never going to work out. I remember long before the Boeing fiasco with the aircraft, you know, crashing. Long before that, I told people that if you knew what was going on, with H-1B visas, and if you knew what was going on with engineering in this country, you would know that that was inevitable, that it was going to happen. In fact, you could predict the enormous drop in quality of all services, technology, and other things as a result. And this isn't because foreigners are bad, but the reality is the system was not designed to allow any old person from China or India to come to the United States. Me, personally, I'm an anarchist. I, I'd like people to live where they want to live, assuming they can respect others. I, you, you don't have a right to invade people. You don't. It's why I, have, I feel very, very torn on the issue of what's going on in the southern border. Because whether you like it or not, it meets the historical military definition of an invasion. It doesn't mean, as an anarchist, I want us to like mobilize and have a war with Mexico. That would be stupid. But I also think that if people own private property and they're not willing to protect it, then they're going to lose it. You know. As far as living rough goes, I think there's going to be a lot of rough living in the not-too-distant future. And people will say to themselves, this is hard living. And it's like, well, maybe you haven't seen bottom yet.
so we're at the point in the show where we're going to do a rundown of headlines on zerohedge.com. And as I pointed out, this is neither an endorsement nor not an endorsement. Do I go to Zero Hedge for the quote unquote news? The answer is yes. Primarily because, like I said, everything to include the Drudge Report kind of sucks at this point. And at least they do a reasonable job of aggregating many voices um, that have something to say. But as far as, you know, zero hedge being pure as the driven snow, well, that's not the case. And I, I wouldn't expect them to be other than human, you know. So it is uh, right around 4.35 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and I'm refreshing ZeroHedge.com. Top of the headlines, one lie after the next, CNN ratings hit nine-year lows after reputational suicide. What did they think was going to happen? Uh, what did they think indeed? Next headline. Biden says no to U.S. providing F-16 jets for Ukraine for now. Biden last March, the idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks, that's called World War III. Well, fuck. That would suck. World War III would suck, brothers and sisters. Doesn't mean I like President Biden. Doesn't even mean I believe President Biden is President Biden. I mean, at this point, could be a body double. There are days he looks like a skin job. You know, I don't know. I sometimes look at pictures of Joseph Biden and I wonder to myself, is this guy still legitly Senator Joseph Biden? Or is this a lot like the Paul McCartney scenario? There's, there's previous Paul and you know Paul McCartney and then there's faux McCartney, right? I don't know. People have some weird opinions about Paul McCartney. That's all I'm going to say. It doesn't mean they're right. I'm not going to say they're wrong. It's just people have weird opinions about that. I don't know what to tell you. Court rejects Johnson & Johnson bankruptcy strategy for thousands of baby powder lawsuits. Hmm. The decision throws into doubt J&J's long-planned strategy for disposing of talc litigation. You know, I don't know the truth or falsity of these claims, brothers and sisters, but if in fact they knowingly um, 
poisoned women, then I hope they get sued out of business. And if it was just a mistake, I hope they get sued to the point that they change. I, I don't think it's great to treat your customers like this. Um, and frankly, this is why I will tell you as an anarchist, this is an example of how the law not only doesn't work, but if you ask me, it enables this because it's the machine by which this is possible. I frankly think in a different world, especially if we simplified it to you murdered a person, um, I think if it came up to be murder charges, people would change their attitudes. I mean, yeah, they, they pay out these giant fees, but I don't know, folks. It's kind of like saying when they say a corporation is a citizen. Well, fine. But citizens go to jail. Citizens lose everything. Citizens get executed. If you, if you really said a corporation was a citizen, like if Johnson & Johnson were legitimately treated exactly like me, if I went out and gave a bunch of people cancer on purpose, I, I would deserve to be executed. And if I did it by accident, I'd probably deserve to spend the rest of my life in jail because I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I, I was selling something I was not qualified to sell. Now, does that mean I believe in government? No. I, I have the opinion that there'll be communities that create a kind of voluntary justice, but you'll have a choice. You, you deal with that kind of situation, which is what it is, or you'd have to probably leave at a certain point. I mean, people will not abide killers and rapists. I'm sorry. People who think that anarchism equals people get to rape and kill, that's a lot of bullshit. Actual anarchists believe in the non-aggression principle. So me, I want to throw the government, good government, progressive bullshit back in their face and say, if a corporation is treated like a citizen, then why wouldn't it be the case that you could take Johnson & Johnson to court, find them guilty of murder, and then that corporation would simply cease to exist. I mean, maybe you devolve the bits and pieces into stuff that would help people, whereby you take the wealth from the company and you divide it up amongst the victims. But that corporation, for what it did, for what happened, would cease to exist if this was legitimately how we treated corporations as citizens. But the reality is, we don't. They're citizens in one sense. When it comes to anything that could be potentially damaging to their bottom line, they get the, the protections of being a citizen and having things like the First Amendment protection and whatnot, to some extent. But they don't really suffer consequences the way that a lot of people do, especially poor people. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. If you want to say to yourself, is Dan advocating for government? Hell no. Actually, I would advocate for emergent justice. Some people call that mob justice. But in reality, I just don't know at this point if, there is, if there's a legitimate distinction between what our system does and that. I mean, in terms of harm, if you ask yourself, what would be the net harm of having an emergent justice system versus what we have, which is institutionalized. And I would argue, if you look at everything that happens in our justice system, every crooked thing, and its real cost and impact on society, emergent justice, if you wanna call it mob justice, is infinitely better. Doesn't mean it's perfect, but by the way, the system where they said, 
we'll, we'll never put an innocent person in jail. That turned out to be bullshit. Innocent people have been executed. With a lot of these projects now, where they're comparing DNA, they're finding people that were executed by the state, by the government who, who didn't do it. That's happening right now. That kind of research is happening today. Okay, they are gathering evidence today to be able to prove things like that. I don't know if they've done it, honestly. Let me just restate this. I don't know if they've found a case like that yet. But do I think it's possible? Yes. It's very possible. And it's not about race. It is about power. So no, I, I wanted to rant on the corporation thing because... I don't believe corporations are treated the same. And you could say, well, what about their executives? Yeah, sometimes their executives suffer a little, but they still end up with these golden parachutes in most cases. They still end up with a lot of money because frankly, they know stuff and people don't want them to talk. So you have a choice. You either pay them off or you take them out. And like during Enron, there was just way too much sunlight on what was going on at the moment to take them all out. There was one particular suicide where you could question, was it actually a suicide? It could have been. Could have been. The way they framed it, the guy was depressed. So it very well could have been that this guy killed himself. But then I could also believe in situations like Enron, if you knew too much and you proved to be unstable or unpredictable, that you would be taken out. These are the corporations that call themselves citizens in your constitutional government. And this is why it is bullshit, okay? It is not right to poison the river. This may seem a bit off topic, but it really isn't. It's not right to take barrels of poison and poison the river. If people begin to die and they have good reason you're doing this, why would you expect anything but what you yourself chose to do? Now, you're, you could say, well, Dan, how do we know they're, they're innocent or guilty? Honestly, folks, right? this is where some people are not going to follow me or even enjoy me saying this, but um, I don't think our system does a very good job of that. So if your argument is it might be less than perfect, well, the only justice that is perfect is the Lord's justice. So if you were going to do anything in any of these situations, you'd probably want to choose some type of nonviolent alternative to simply, you know, lynching people. Like, I would not want to live in a lynch mob community. But would I want to live in a community where people look out for each other, and if someone is raping or killing, that people have the courage to tackle that person, and in the very least tie them up until you can figure out what the fuck to do? Yeah, I want to live in that community, where people understand what use of force is, and how it is the right, and, and you could argue the obligation of li every living thing to know how to defend itself. That's the community I want to live in. I don't want to live in the cop community where a cop, you know, builds his own little world and he tortures people, but he does it for the greater good because people are getting tomato sauce. They're getting tomato sauce, so you, you end up with Negan. If you've ever watched The Walking Dead, anyways. You end up with Negan. Okay, spent enough time on the Johnson & Johnson bankruptcy strategy, which again, it's perfectly legal for them to do something like this. I don't think that they can prevent them. I mean, I guess they are rejecting it. Okay, court rejects. Well, there you go. 
I think it is perfectly legal to try to do it though. The court can reject a bankruptcy. That is true. But they could try at least. But you know what? It's just, I don't know. You could say, well, the system's working here. I don't know. Like I said, I just feel like there should be something worse. Next headline, Japan intercepts armed Chinese flotilla near disputed islands. Oh my God. Both sides, both sides claiming illegal breach of territorial waters at their 10th standoff. This is horrible. Japan and China. Next headline from ZeroHedge.com. Ron Paul, colon, the real disinformation was the Russia disinformation hoax. It was all a lie. Yeah, that is helpful, Ron. I mean, honestly, at this point, after the monkey herpes, I have a hard time seeing your relevance. I, f I feel like the people we expected to defend, the, to defend the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and, and this goes back to, you know, again, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but this goes back to the, the late Renaissance and the Enlightenment where philosophers were trying to figure out the ideal republic, the ideal government of the people, for the people, by the people, the people own themselves, the people are sovereign. And they had lots of crazy theories to include that there were various estates. And one of the estates, I think they allotted, along with, you know, the clergy and, um, you know, other folks, um, one of the estates they allotted was for people, I think, for people who are journalists. And, um, and I think out of that mythology of the Renaissance, we've been led to believe that the journalists in a free republic or a free society or something that attempts to be are going to protect the people. Um, I believe also the jurists were in a state, but I could be wrong. But the point is, you have this idea that there are these people in certain professions that will protect the people's, the, the new, you know, republics based upon ordinary, everyday people. In, in some cases, landed gentry, but still very much the plebes compared to the royals, you know. They might have been richer than the nearest royals too. Like by this point, like by the 1700s in places like France and the Holy Roman Empire and in England, by the 1700s, you had ordinary squires, ordinary everyday commoners who were wealthier than many of the ancient noble noble families and this is why they began a strategy of marrying into to money to maintain the estate and that strategy went forward in time but the reality is the the bourgeoisie the middle class of the late middle ages broke out during the enlightenment period yeah there were wars and there were economic crashes but for the most part um the the, the wealth of the middle class as we would call it became greater and greater, and along with that, the power. Anyways. I think that lawyers failed us in 2020, and um, it's sad to say it because I had a cousin who taught philosophy of law, and he died this last year, and it's, it is quite sad, and he was a really great guy and a great professor, but I was always honest with him when he was alive, so why would I change now? Um, I think the lawyers 
especially the ones that talked about Bill of Rights for decades when the right people were in power, right? They failed us in 2020. I think the ministers failed us, the religious leaders. They totally failed us in 2020. It was a complete catastrophe. They had every opportunity to do it differently, but instead they did it wrong. And so in terms of the clergy, 2020 was an unmitigated disaster. I may have pulled the trigger too soon when I said to somebody that I thought the church was going underground soon, but I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure how far off the mark I was with that one. I may not have been strong enough to be a minister, even though I think every Christian should be a minister. We should minister to each other. If we want a church, we just organize with each other. We don't really have to build an institution. That's a thing that has way more to do with the late Western Roman Empire than it has to do with anything Christian. But as far as church goes, it's pretty clear, I believe in Matthew, what you need for a church. Yeah. The clergy failed us. The lawyers failed us. The journalists have been failing us for years and they, they double, tripled, badoodled themselves in 2020. Every one of those honorable professions, to include the medical doctors and the scientists and the professors and teachers, all of these nobled, noble professions that we were told were sort of foundational to this enlightenment perspective, which would later become progressive, they all failed us. They'll never admit it. I know that many people are going on an apology tour right now, and I've been seeing Scott Adams on Twitter because I do have an account temporarily, heavily shadow banned until it's actually banned. But I have an account out there for Dr. Freckles forever. If you want to like do the four EVA, but Dr. Freckles, you know, DR Freckles, four EVA. That being said, um, I was looking at some of his his cringy posts. It's like, Mia culpa, maybe the anti-vax people were right. Well, what if it's worse than that, Scott? What if the whole thing was bullshit? It doesn't mean people weren't killed. I'm, a, I'm pretty certain people were murdered on 9-11-2001. What I'm not certain of is who did it, okay? If you want to tell me you know for certain that it was somehow people in Afghanistan, it was the Taliban, it was Al-Qaeda, then you've got to explain to me how we suddenly became allies with Al-Qaeda about 10 years later. Um, just out of the blue, because this thing called ISIS driving brand new Toyota pickups and armed with 5.56 NATO chambered carbines and uh, automatic rifles are rolling out of the desert with 50 cows, again, NATO, yeah, NATO cartridges. They, you know, it was just magical, all those brand new Toyota pickups. 2014, rolled out of the desert, who the fuck knows where, probably from the storm drain, per the last podcast, you know, we don't know what's down in the storm drain, but there's something down there, maybe it is a bunch of brand new Toyota trucks. Brand new Tacomas, V8s, V6s, whatever. King cab. You can mount that 50 cal. Definitely 7.62. Definitely an M60. 
definitely a saw. You mount it on your Tacoma. You roll into the desert. You call yourself Isis. You tell, hey baby, I'm gonna make you play my guitar. Sorry. Oh my God, I just went off on a tangent and I, and in, a, in a way to passive aggressively beat up on Ron Paul. Ron Paul seems like an earnest man. I have no idea if he is. I know there are a lot of fakers out there. I, I can see and understand the strategy of joining the Republican Party from the Libertarian Party because disillusionment can lead to hallucinations. That, you know, people get disillusioned with the emptiness of the Libertarian Party. Guess what? That's not accidental. That's, that's its purpose. Its purpose is to bounce you back into the Republicans or Democrats. You know, you, you'll vote for the people that legalize weed. Um, it's why I'm an anarchist and I'm not ashamed of it. I feel like if this were a free republic, I could live here. I might not like all the stupid shit you do, but if you leave me alone on my property, I'll let you on a little secret. 99 out of 100 anarchists, perhaps 999, perhaps bigger than that, percentage-wise, will do the same thing. That's, how, that's the basic ethos of anarchism. It is a peaceful coexistence to live in liberty where my liberty stops, where yours starts, and that's what we, that's what we negotiate through life. We don't need a lawyer. We don't need a government. We just have to try to like tap into our emotional intelligence and learn to respect each other. And, and these are not easy things, but brothers and sisters, it's probably easier than the IRS, probably easier than the CIA. You know, people say it's not easy. But if you think about all the stupid shit your government's done with your tax dollars over the last few decades, believe me, it could be a lot worse. Anyways, next headline, Bolsonaro, and again, this is ZeroHedge.com, right around, you know, whatever. Bolsonaro seeking tourist visa to extend U.S. stay as criminal cases pile up in Brazil. 41 Democratic members of Congress are also demanded he be shown the door. Oh my God. Elion. This is like Elion. You remember poor little Elion for, from the year 2000? They sent him back to Cuba. They sent him back to a hole. They sent him back to a hell. Under Fidel. He'd live like a commie. He'd live like a sklink. He'd eat the protein. He'd mill the grimbo. He'd live in Cuba. He'd have free health care, which he would never use. Yeah, I don't I don't give a shit about Bolsonaro. Um, he seems like a kind of a government spook type politician, a lot like that shithead who went to Venezuela. But I don't even know if I believe in the dialectic any longer. Like, I think a lot of these... These, you know, A versus B scenarios are, are bullshit. It's all C, which means all the above. They work together. They're not really opposed. It's kind of like the Ukraine. I could believe, maybe, that they are simulating hot war in the Ukraine, which means, yeah, potentially they're throwing troops in. Although I haven't seen any good video yet 
or pictures or any good evidence that there is anything going on in the Ukraine, just for your, for my opinion here. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But that being said, um, it could be a hot war. It doesn't mean it's an organically resulting war from some natural historical tension. It's way more likely it is still a conspiratorial war where both parties are participating. A lot like, you know, catch, <laughs> you know, catch 22, um, where the Germans, the Americans, and the British negotiate bombing runs. Um, you know, poor Yosarian. I don't give a fuck about Bolsonaro, is my point. Next headline, Treasury publishes cash balance estimates as it prepares to drain $650 billion to offset debt ceiling. This amounts to roughly $110 billion in liquidity added by the Treasury and offsetting the Fed's quantitative tightening until September debt ceiling D-Day. Brothers and sisters, I know that I can be a dark soul when it comes to the future. And I'm not claiming I'm right. Like, I kind of think if we get through 2024, I'm going to have to admit that I, that I was right about some things and wrong about others. And that perhaps it could still be the great discontinuity, but perhaps it's not going to be as bad as I would have expected. That being said, I just don't know that that's likely. Um... I believe the system, our government, is doing a fantastic job of covering shit up. And I think they're using propaganda to do so. So when you read about a food processing plant or a chicken farm or an egg farm or some type of agricultural thingy blowing up or catching fire, may I just propose the following? That a lot of this looks like dreck you'd read in Pravda in Russia in 1983 to explain, oh my God, you can't get the wheat this week. There's no meat because of those dirty capitalists. It's not because our system is wretched. It's not because it's broken. It's because of the dirty capitalists. This is what this reads like, folks. You know, I, I studied the collapse of the Soviet Union in part, you know, related to my core subject, which was military history of the Soviet Union. And um, the one thing I would tell you is that in the context of these types of logistical events, I think our government through the media is doing exactly the same thing. So if you want to believe there are a bunch of hackers hacking the Tyson Foods, you believe that. If you want to believe farmers are dumping potatoes in fields to just go to fallow, whatever, um, you can believe that. If you think that a bunch of cattle are just being randomly murdered, you can believe it. But I also think it's possible that our system is breaking down. You know, it's like the egg thing. I can't, I'm not going to pull the trigger on the egg thing. I will tell you, diesel fuel and eggs are probably two of the best indicators of where we're at. Right now, diesel fuel doesn't look so bad. So I guess, I guess maybe that's the recession kicking in. But the point is, it, the prices are dropping. So that means that the the system, you could say the blood pressure, is within bounds. 
that the system can rebound. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, it means that you go through a recession, right? But then things get better. Um, I don't know that that's where we're at, though. It's kind of like when people talk about POW, you know. Um, I don't believe Powell, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, I don't believe his job is to achieve a soft landing. I, I don't believe it is. I think his main job is to just sort of keep the clown show going, and he's the chief clown. Do I actually believe there's any landing strip at the end of this? No. I could be wrong about timing. Like, this still could be 10 years away. I don't believe it is. It could be further into the future. But I think there's so much tension built up in the system that even if it is just the collapse of the dollar empire, even if it's just the collapse of the petrodollar system, it, it will be that Richter scale 20 event that will shatter the financial world. People have no idea how much of this bullshit is somehow backed by somebody's dollar. Could be a dollar a bank, you know, created out of nowhere, right? When you loan money. It could be a Fed buck just created out of nowhere. It could be anything. There, it could be any kind of derivative. It could be an insurance contract. It could be a credit default swap. But the point is, there's a lot of daisy-chained obligation in the system. And one could make the reasonable argument that at the, at the current rate, of interest, even now, um, especially actually at the current rate of interest. It's worse, but it gets worse as it gets higher. But at a certain point, all of that obligation becomes untenable. Like right now, a lot of it probably is. And that's why we're seeing issues with pension funds. You say, why would pension funds have issues? Well, pension funds get into the derivatives markets. And, and if, you, if you're on the wrong side of a derivative contract, you lose money. You, it can be bad for you. But there can be sunshine days too. And you hope it's mostly sunshine days. It's kind of gambling theory. Um, a lot of this is about gambling theory. If you understand that it's a crooked system, which it is, it's neo-Stalinism, A, it's crooked, and B, um that you kind of have to be a forensic accountant, given A, to understand how the money really works. Like, you have to go beyond what you're taught in school. If you're taught in school, you know, good, bu good business bureau, perfect market theory, then you have to understand that's not the United States in 2023. It's a deeply corrupt system. It may not be obviously corrupt, but it is corrupt. So if you want to understand how business works, you have to understand who is connected to who. Do I think that's good? Hell no. I think that's right out of Atlas Shrugged, brothers, sisters, country people. Yeah. That is right out of Atlas Shrugged. Anyways. Next headline. Experts warn new IRS tax rules are a double whammy for families. Holy smokes. That's money out of refunds right there. Oh, but Jesus. Next headline. Hawkish shift in Fed expectations sparks selling and bonds. Big tech. Black gold. That's oil. The last few days have seen a significantly hawkish drift in rate expectations. Holy smokes. 
He's going for the stratosphere, but inflation is still ahead. He's going to keep going right behind inflation till the bitter end. If you want my prediction, this is my prediction. And if this is, if there's a way to make money on this prediction, I hope you do. But I also, I don't represent any financial instruments and I don't have money to invest in shit. But here is my prediction. Jerome Powell is under orders to chase inflation. He, he can't stop it. He can't arrest it. He will chase it, which means he'll slow it down. Inflation will slow down and it will go through little mini cycles. So it'll even seem like it goes backwards for a couple months, but that's called seasonality. Yeah. But if you remove seasonality, what you're gonna see ultimately um, over the last, you know, over this, what you're gonna see over the period of his tenure is that he will chase inflation. He will raise rates, he has to, folks. I don't know how to put it. I know a lot of people don't understand why he has to, but if they wanna keep the dollar system afloat, he has to raise rates. But he can't surpass inflation. He can't control inflation. So if there's a way to make money off of him raising rates just be just behind inflation, which means if inflation is 7%, he's not going to go above much five. I don't know if it's five and a half or you know six right now, but he, I think he'll chase inflation within about one percentage point. So if if rates right now are almost six percent, and I think there's they're not quite five and a half, but let's say they're six. If the prime, if the Fed funds rate, which I could be wrong about, were six percent, I think that would imply that inflation's between seven and eight percent. Um, but there's going to be that delta. It may not be fixed, but the point is they're going to chase inflation. They're not. They cannot. And this is going to sound crazy to some of you, but there is no way they can keep the show going forever. They already know the show is almost over. So Jerome's orders, as any clown has orders, is to keep the plate spinning. He's a clown. He's in a clown show. He has these little sticks and on them are plates and he keeps them spinning. And, and maybe he gets really drunk before he goes on stage. That is his job as the Fed chairman right now, to keep the plates spinning. And if you ask me until when, Best case scenario, we're talking about the actual collapse of the petrodollar system. How bad could that be? I've mentioned this before. It could be so bad that you could have hundreds of thousands of troops, sailors, airmen, people in the U.S. Armed Forces stationed overseas, and you can't even afford to get them home. Yeah, oops. It could be so bad that you're trading nukes in Turkey in other places. You're trading nukes in Italy to get a little bit of hard capital. So you're selling nukes to people. That's how bad that could get. And frankly, that's assuming the federal government stays intact. And if you ask me, I think the most likely outcome of dollar collapse would be some type of soft disillusion, soft civil war, which would really be just this, you know, um, the breakup of the United States. I don't think there'd be battles. I don't think people would, you know, go civil war in terms of fighting each other across state boundaries. But I could see states forming 
basically parts of this country into other countries. I think that might even be inevitable. If not at the state level, at the county level. And that could start happening. I could see a lot of cities being abandoned and I could see a lot of cities um, trying to reinvent themselves by becoming free cities, which means open to everybody. That would be big. You know, a free city with a very, very, very limited government, it's never gonna be my dream, but it'll be a lot better than what we have now. You know, let's not prosecute, um, if we can avoid it, victimless crimes. You know, let's not, anywho. U.S. halts new licenses for export to Huawei, the phone company. National security officials believe the company helps China engage in espionage. Oh, my God. Again, from ZeroHedge.com, the minimum wage does more harm than good. Minimum wage advocates somehow think that their wishful thinking can override basic economics. But no matter how much they tell you otherwise, supply and demand are a thing. I mean, in, a, in our corrupt, crooked system, they are and they aren't. I don't, I don't know that it's that simple. I mean, in the ideal market sense of things, if, if we had ideal markets in the United States of America, I think that that editorial commentary would be true. But the way things work now, I don't think it's true. I, I think we have a very broken system. And that results in bad price discovery, which also means it results in people often being paid less in some cases, and being paid too much in others. And, and the question is, who do you think should get paid more? And that, you know what? That shouldn't be anybody's opinion. That should be the market. You know. Headline, has the housing market bottomed? <laughs> the surprising result from a little known market indicator. And I quote, I've seen more homes go under contract this month than in the entire fourth quarter. Oh my God. Oh my God. The housing markets are saved. It was a gully. She was right. It was a gully. just a gully, right? It was just a momentary depression. It was just the unsettling settling of that so solid ground. We built a home in Florida. We fed the alligator. We live with the python. We feed on the Grinka's flesh. pretty good tonight, but I probably pushed it a bit too hard. I don't know. It's one of those question marks you ask yourself when you're doing physical therapy. You know, about a month ago, my arm was still in two pieces. Um, my humerus was, my upper bone was, my, my upper arm. 
two pieces. And, and I have a picture on my blog, if you've seen it. it. You know, I'm happy it didn't stick through. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, I am using my left, left hand to play the keyboard. And arguably, I'm so shitty at the keyboard, it doesn't really hurt anything. And who knows? Maybe it's bringing a certain kind of gravitas. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. But it is getting better. And um, I was going to read through the rest of these, like, oh boy, absurdity of Elon Musk fraud trial, blah, blah, blah. What is the most mispriced risk gasket? Blah, blah, blah. Lifting the debt ceiling. It's not a social policy. Blah, blah, blah. This is not a normal situation for semiconductors. Holy shit. In more than 40 years of trading, I've never witnessed blah, blah, blah. Folks, go to Zero Hedge. If you can't think of any other source of news, this is what I will say for Zero Hedge. It is your last stop saloon. It doesn't mean that I advocate or certify any article you'll find there. But I will say you will find stuff there that I believe is closer to the truth. The problem is, and this is something you learn as an anarchist, is that close, in this case, it deals with that whole horseshoes and hand grenades. Close, in this case, it's, you know, it's not the hand grenade. It's not close enough. You, you don't have the luxury of imprecision. Um, and, and I'm thinking of this in terms of your cognition. Like you can get really, really close to understanding that you were born free and that no document was ever required to state that you are free. You can come to that conclusion, but for a lot of people, it's difficult. It's easier for some authority figure to say, you are free, you're free, unless there's a pandemic. Yeah, unless there's a pandemic, you're free. And that's the world we live in. Um, and I'm not going to tell you it's good or bad. I currently am taking advantage of the social welfare system. It paid for my surgery. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't admit to that. Am I happy about it? No. Do I think things could have been different in a freer country? Yeah. But they are what they are. And I, you know, I could have had my own health insurance altogether. But honestly, dude, folks, people, I've worked that side of healthcare. And I know how crooked it is, and certainly, you know, post-Obamacare crooked. So the real question is, have I put something into the system since I was a kid that I had a right to have my broken arm fixed? And the answer I would give to include my time in the army is yes. But that's not how society works. That's not reality. It's not the reality of, you know, on the balance, have you put more in than taken out? Fuck, I've paid a shitload in taxes. And do I ever expect to see the real versus nominal versus, you know, investment grade percentage growth adjusted amount back? No. I mean, I suppose if I live to be 100 or more, but I, I just, folks, I don't believe any of this stuff is, is really going to make it there. Like, when we're in the 2030s, we could talk about the first century of Social Security. And when you're in the 2060s, you can talk about the first century of, you know, Medicare and Medicaid. Um, I don't believe Social Security is going to make it 100 years. And, and that applies to every other system. And is that horrible? 
It is, I guess, because there's a lot of people that depend upon it. On the other hand, there were promises that were made that probably the system could never deliver on. That it was never going to work the way that people wanted it to. It was always going to have issues. I, I don't know that you can have a perfect healthcare economy. But if you're given a choice between one that's highly regulated and one that's essentially free, I think you're better off with the freedom. Does that mean you'll end up with people calling themselves doctors, doing things that are outside of the norm? Yeah, you will. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, the current system, especially with big pharma, I think that's already happening. I think they figured out a way to do that with all the laws and regulations, and they do it with drugs, and they do it with a lot of propaganda around drugs. So yeah, folks, drugs and vaccines will make you a better person, we promise. Just take this elixir, pour it on your cereal. It's got laudlum. It's got the opiates. It's got the marijuana tincture. It's got the whiskey. We added cinnamon. We promise it tastes good. Yeah, you're probably still gonna die, but the elixir will taste good. We'll stick a needle into your arm. So I'm a bit over time on this one. Um, it's okay. Every once in a while I go a bit long. I'm trying to drift away from the news altogether, but it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm not even sure it's feasible. It's feasible to treat the news as something I mock very quickly because if I can reduce it to like quick mockery. But the problem is I editorialize. I get sucked in. Sucked into the dialectic. Sucked into the cultural Marxism. Sucked into all the bullshit manipulation. And like everyone else, I get sucked into the PSYOP too. In my own way, I've internalized it by acknowledging it. I mean, the thing about a powerful PSYOP is that you could argue there is no escape. There's the interior, which is the quote-unquote fake world. And then there's the exterior where the engineers and the critics supposedly live, but they're still stuck in the same manipulation. They're still stuck in the same psyop. They're still stuck in that reality. I'm stuck in it with you. You see the world a certain way. Like you believe the Wuhan bullshit. You believe the bat market bullshit. You believe some variant of the COVID bullshit. I believe it's 100% nutty ass psyop bullshit. But the fact is, a lot of people thought some of it was true. And, and even the people who say some of it was true say, but it was such a low likelihood of, of killing you. And, and again, when you get deeper and deeper into their arguments against the, um, the draconian behavior of the Trump and the Biden administration, um, what you end up with is, well, it was kind of true and it was kind of scary, but the government overreacted. And to me, that feels as logical and plausible as you seeing my fat ass with my broke ass arm dribbling a basketball on the court nearby and shooting hoops. And your first thought is, 
that fat 50-year-old man, he could be in the NBA. To believe, if, if you want to be as gracious and nice as you want to fucking be, to believe that COVID-19 was a pandemic, even if you want to think it was a real virus, to believe it was a pandemic, you have to follow the same type of crooked-ass mathematics and logic that would lead someone to believe that I am a professional NBA basketball player because I can dribble a ball. And if you've ever worked around hospitals, believe me, they get hit by random viruses that hit random people, mostly a lot of homeless people in a lot of cases where they don't have very good immune systems. They, get, they die all the time before 2020, and it never became a pandemic. In some cases, it became a liability issue. And believe me, I don't know what happened to um, liability issues around preventable hospital-acquired infection post-2020, but my guess is that conspiracy washed its own hands. So I think that everybody got a payoff. And I think a lot of hospital systems, it is my opinion, took payoffs to keep the lie going. Anyways. But what do you do with that? Anyways, how do you escape that? And the answer is you can't. Right now, I have a broken arm. It's got to heal. And then I need to figure out how I'm going to get by. And I don't know what that looks like because for me, just like everyone else I know, life's a little bit shaky these days. It's hard to know what the future looks like. I can tell you that one of my goals right now, before Jesus and before every witness that hears my voice, one of my goals right now is to try to find some joy. Because I think a time is coming and it's not too far off in the future where life is going to become very difficult and very tragic again. Um, per some of the descriptions of a writer I've mentioned before, James Howard Kunstler, when he talks about life becoming more tragic um, in the future. And I think that, yeah, tragedy will become more common. It wasn't that there wasn't tragedy before. My sister Nancy dying of cancer, that was pretty fucking tragic. And it, and it was a couple years after my mom died of cancer, which was also, you know, not so much tragic, but it was sad because you see people go through a lot of pain with late-stage cancer. Yeah. It's like the way I would describe death from late-stage cancer is the following. Imagine your body was injected with a bunch of little explosives, but they went off randomly and slowly, which means if a normal explosion takes a fraction of a second, these explosions take about eight weeks. And they go off all around your body, and they tear tissue, and they tear bone, and they block your arteries, and they cause aneurysms. And if you're lucky, towards the end, you're simply not there. Your soul's been taken to heaven. So it's not entirely true that there is no tragedy prior to the world that a man like Kunstler describes. But he does point out that for a lot of people, a lot of ordinary people, that kind of tragedy is still relatively remote. And, and frankly, the simpler tragedies of times in the past that we thought we were beyond, like in the past when food wasn't a kind of guarantee. There was a period, and it, you, know, you can give Norman Borlaug credit for this, but there's a period in the history of food 
where I think we all kind of accepted what was taught in the classical economics class and that food was an inferior good. That as you got richer, you actually bought less of it because it was so cheap. Even, even the expensive food was still relatively cheap. So ultimately, we were led to believe that the food is free, the food is plentiful, the food is everywhere, that that was some type of necessary guarantee, which when I think about it, sounds a lot like communism because there are no guarantees like that in nature, you know. Um, but we were led to believe you just pour more chemicals on it. If the bugs get immune to the chemicals, you come up with new chemicals. If if you have to come up with new chemicals that are so bad they kill the plants, yeah, you engineer the plants, baby. And, and this just goes on and on and on. And it's, it's an arms race you can't win. But it is what it is, anywho. I just went off on a weird tangent there. I don't know why I did. I think having this broken arm has kind of helped in a way, and I think having it has made it worse because there are days when I wake up and I think I feel like a freak. You know, I could have had an intact humerus and now I don't. I know it's not that tragic. I know that there are way worse things that could happen and could have happened that night. Like I said, I looked at the x-ray. One of those pieces could have gone through my arm, you know. Um, could have been a lot worse. Could have ended up with paralysis in my left arm. So far, so good, you know. It could have been worse. It wasn't, but it could have been. And for a lot of people who have like huge health crises, that are life and death crises, and so far so good, I'm not there yet. I mean, I might need to work my blood pressure. But I've needed to work on my blood pressure forever, and I'm kind of convinced there's a scam there somewhere. <laughs> Until I'm dead, it's like, Dan, you thought there was a scam, and now you're gone. It's like, I don't know. My arm, my lower arm was dangling there for like more than two weeks. Yeah, they wrapped it, they did some stuff, but it wasn't very good. And it was dangling there. So if you were to say to me, Dan, do you think your blood pressure would go up, even with painkillers, over a period of two weeks, especially if you don't get a chance to get any exercise, and you might even be eating some food you probably shouldn't, but it's comfort food, um, would you reasonably expect your blood pressure to go up? And I would argue, yeah. Do, do I need to work on my blood pressure? Probably. And I don't want to rationalize it away. Um, I've been worried I had diabetes, and the answer is I don't. But I probably do need to work on my blood pressure. So what do I do? I'm going to probably start, you know, try to eat better, eat healthier. The, 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 the beast of the land, the grease of the earth, the fat of the calf, the, the pork of the pig... I'll get the bacon. I'll have some bacon. Add some eggs. Add some potatoes. Cook them in butter. Butter bacon. <laughs> Cook it in butter bacon, right? Just like they did in the olden time. I went way over time on this podcast. So I'm going to close things out by saying the following. If you've taken care of 
your food, your water, your shelter. If you've taken care of the people you love and you care for and you're responsible for, and frankly, at this point, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to have at least three months, if not up to a year's worth of food on hand. I'm just saying, I think that's, we've been there for a couple of years and, and our system is doing a great job of hiding it, but folks, it's not gonna last. Best case scenario, it would be good to have that food on hand. And that includes food for your pet. And I don't have a good answer to that. You know, I, I saw this documentary recently called Pet Fooled. I recommend it. It's a pretty good documentary that deals with the pet food industry. But with, here's what I will say. If you're thinking about yourself and your survival, you should think about your pet. Um, that's how I feel about that, you know. If you've taken care of those things and you've taken care of your responsibilities and you feel like you have the resources to have joy and if you want to donate to this podcast, you can. You're not required to. Um, you know, I, I wished in 2019, especially when I was trying to make a lot of changes to the podcast, I'd really hoped that after sort of trying this for almost a de you know, at that time, not a decade, but, you know, about four or five years sort of trying to go this way, um, I'd hoped in 2019 that I would start breaking out and that I'd put together the minimal equipment, my recorder, the keyboard, my attitude, that I put together the minimal equipment to do that, and it just didn't happen. And I'm not going to blame anybody. I could actually suck. I have no idea. What I will tell you is this. I'd hope by now I would have had more people who could have just donated a lot less. And in reality, I have a lot of wonderful people who donate a lot, and I often feel guilty about it because I know what time it is in that sort of, um, what is it, Marky Mark? Not Marky Mark. Flavor Flav. Fucking, how can you mix up Flavor Flav with Marky Mark? I'll tell you. I'm not really into that whole pop culture so much. Not in that way. But yeah, Flavor Flav. What time is it, I think, right? The big old fucking what time it is. Conan's wife. <laughs> Bridget Nielsen or something? No, not Bridget Nielsen. Anyways, the giant, giant blonde woman. Um, yeah. I don't know, folks. I do not believe it is the end of the world, but I would be a liar if I told you at the end of any podcast that I thought that we were heading towards gentle pastoral times when things would be simpler again. I don't think that's where we're headed either. I, I do think we're heading to an age of challenges, but challenges can create adventure. Challenges can assist in creativity. Challenges can be the thing that forces people to ask the question, what do I want and what do I need? Because once you get done asking those types of want versus need questions, that's pretty much most of the government gone. Like there's a lot of stuff we might want, but we don't necessarily need. And we don't need the government we currently have. Um, so yeah, we could be heading towards an age of challenges. Best case scenario, if it's the collapse of the dollar, it's gonna be an age of challenges, but it also could be it could become a kind of renaissance for this country if the people 
of this country can embrace liberty? And that's the question mark. If you want to know what the big mystery is, if there's a big mystery, Dan, if there's something I need to know, this is the, this is the question. This is the mystery. This is the leap of faith. If Americans were given the opportunity, would they choose a truly free republic or would they recreate what we currently have? And I truly don't know. A truly free republic would be one where there really isn't a government, where everything is voluntary. That would be the ultimate free republic, a republic where people do things without force, you know. Or would they want to have what, what we have now, which is an empire? And yeah, it does imperial things, and sometimes, maybe even often, because it's an empire, the things it does are cruel. But it has to. It is the logic of empire. It's like imagining you can have an empire that doesn't torture people. Every empire is going to torture people. Every single one, in one form of torture or another. So you can have your empire that does really crooked shit to make sure that you don't have to pay too much for tomatoes. Or you can have your freedom. And in reality, you'll probably pay less for tomatoes. But you won't have all those wars. And you won't have all those, you know, destroyed families and communities on the ledger against you because, hey, you paid your taxes, you voted, you know, you implicitly supported, you know. I don't know, folks. I, I go around in circles on this one because I feel like a shithead. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that any of us are, are any of us are that free on the Death Star, or if you want to, in the city of Rome. And whether you want to call the United States as a whole the city of Rome, or you want to call it the Death Star, it has become a kind of tontine we are all hooked into. It's like you can bitch about the dollar, and you can piss on the dollar, and you can predict the death of the dollar, but you would be a liar if you pretended that your wealth and success had nothing to do with the dollar. It had a lot to do with that scheme. Everybody in this country benefited on some level. Even the poor communities did. It was really crooked and kind of CIA managed. But it, it was everywhere. There was money everywhere, you know, to some extent. Um, and people thought that was going to last forever. And I think the people were wrong. At the time, I suspected they were wrong. You know, as a matter of record, I remember telling people in a senior seminar that I thought that Fukuyama was full. Of, I didn't say he was full of shit, but I thought he was wrong. And that the idea that history ends is absurd. And people kind of mocked me. And in retrospect, I mocked them. Just like I mocked that Jackson School professor who used Yugoslavia as an example of society getting over ethnic differences. That was in 1990, about a few months before the people of Yugoslavia started killing each other over what? Ethnic differences. But Tito destroyed that racism. No, he didn't. He may have forced it underground, yeah, and that's where it probably festered and got worse, but no, Tito didn't do shit with anything other than to be Tito. Good old Marshall Tito.
Okay, so this is a long-winded way of saying that if you want to donate, you can. There's a link to PayPal. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. Um, for reasons I don't really want to go into, you know, I'm doing okay financially right now, but the reality is this whole accident's been a big setback for me. And what I want to do is simply heal, but healing takes time. Um, and it takes a kind of patience and discipline that I wonder if I actually have. I know that may sound stupid, but um, I do ask that question. I mean, here's the thing. You don't have to be crazy to believe what I believe. Um, which is, I believe that best case scenario, that means that the best case scenario, which means as good as it's going to get, is that some point in the near future, and it might be a year or two away, I don't think it is, it might be a few months away, could be, at some point in the near future, the economic system is going to deteriorate at such a rate that they won't be able to manage it. There won't be a, there, there'll be no magical amount of money, and anybody thinking it'll be stagflation or hyperinflation just doesn't understand that it doesn't matter how many wheelbarrows of money you have if there is no bread. And it looks like that's where the system's headed. And maybe it's by design. I kind of think a lot of this stuff does look by design. But I'm still not certain as to the goal. Like it could be the managed economic collapse of the United States. That's what it could be so that all the bad guys can get away to whatever hole in the ground, whatever bunker, whatever place they're going to hide. Because they're going to have to hide for decades. I mean, the fact is, there are going to be lynch mobs, and a lot of those lynch mobs will be in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Special Forces, and they will have axes to grind, and they'll know where the bodies are buried. I mean, the folk, I don't think people remotely understand that if it is just the collapse of the dollar, I don't think people remotely understand all the knock-on effects and how ugly that's going to be. It's going to be every military pension, okay? It's going to make the situation of how the Red Army veterans were treated in the 1990s in Russia look like compassionate and, and generous. And of course, I'm joking. But yeah, it's, I, I think that pensioners, military pensioners, are going to really get hit hard. And, and that's just one of the things in the best case scenario. In the best case scenario, the government better have enough gold to get the troops home. Because I think we're going to have troops overseas that we won't be able to move. Best case scenario. When, when those plates that Jerome Powell is spinning start falling, hitting the ground, <laughs> you know. And, and again, I, I was thinking maybe it was Bitcoin. But I still think diesel fuel and something like the price of eggs is probably closer to the truth at this point in this crooked system as an indicator of where we're at. Um, you know, crypto looks interesting because of its weird effects on people trying to escape, like in terms of rotate, rotating. I think they call it, in the financial world, I think they do call it rotating, but rotating from one asset to another in terms of managing seasonality, um, cycles, stuff like that. So I could see people rotating into crypto, trying to escape 
dollar denominated assets and whatnot. I just think what they're going to find out, and this is the thing, and I think this is built into the design itself, is that the basic complexity cost of Bitcoin and other cryptos is so high that literally they can't, they can't really um, succeed but to fail, which means that the more success they experience in bringing people onto the network, the more likely I think the network grinds to a halt. And oh my God, Dan, you're just so racist on crypto. No, it's just my opinion. I've looked at enough of it to have that opinion. I, I don't think I'm wrong. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why there have been these third parties that have developed. You know, the things that the crypto peer-to-peer -peer people said you'd never need? Well, you'd never need it, I guess, if you're buying Lamborghinis. But for ordinary schmucks who would deal in Satoshis, you were going to need a reliable way to make payments that were not non-deterministic. And the problem with Bitcoin is that there is non-determinism. It is, you know, what it is as far as being kind of an unstable situation. So yeah, if you're dealing in Satoshis, your situation could be really great or really bad, depending upon the day of the week. And, you know, the counter argument, the crypto people say, well, that's true with the dollar and whatnot. But yeah, the thing is, though, these electronic dollar-based systems do hundreds of thousands of transactions per second, maybe even today millions. They, they way, way, way outpace the best models in crypto that don't use third parties. All of the cryptocurrencies, if you subtract out the third parties, are just dead-ass slow by comparison. So yeah, anyways, that's just my opinion. I think I pissed off a lot of crypto people tonight. Fuck, I'm in trouble. Send me down the hole. But this is just my opinion. And, 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 there's, and you know what? If I end up using Bitcoin in five years to buy some type of McSlugget or some type of Tornado Taco, if I go to McGubbins and have a big old bowl of sluice soup or whatever, whatever fucking protein they're scraping from the bottom of the Dead Sea, if I go there and I'm using Bitcoin to buy my piglet wings and my Tigglers and my Juicy Bobs and my Freegles, then sure, I might use my crypto to buy the protein of a decaying thing, the dead detritus, the schmunkin' flesh. Your body is dying now. Your gut flora, it's all become mold. I don't know about that. I know I should probably stop beating up on crypto because I know that I probably got maybe one or two listeners who think I'm a dick. And the truth is, I'm just interested in technology working. I don't give a fuck. As long as it solves certain problems for me to include privacy and security, then guess what? If it transacts fast, if it's reliable, if it's deterministic, if it's safe and secure, and, you know... Better yet, if it can be connected to a real asset, so there is that side of the economy that functions, the physical asset side, um, or a resource, if it can be tied that way, then that is a good thing. And I think it would be great. 
Would I classify it as a currency? You see, I think this is a problem, and this maybe is this is where I would point a stick at the at the at the crypto folks. It was never about the coin. It was never about the turquoise. It was never about the shell. It was never about the leaf or the tulip bulb. It was never about a little piece of cotton-based paper that they printed a bunch of green fucking bullshit on, you know, from the Treasury Department. Okay, it was never really about any of that. It was about transactions. If, if you want something like this to work, it has to be trustworthy. It has to have some kind of value or connection to value. This is why gold and silver are so great. But on top of this, it has to be fast. Well, the reality is, if you use a credit-based system with a lot of merchants where you basically say, I have a silver coin, a one ounce coin, and the amount I'm buying is much less than that, you can give people the option of just putting it on account. And then all of a sudden, they have something there that acts as a kind of credit in the future. And frankly, grocery stores might even compete to, to help you to earn interest in things because this is, this is where the free market can really amaze you. You could have a system of credit with gold and silver where you would gain the value the gold and silver gained as long as it was on credit. And, and, and again, it, it also is a basis for that particular grocery store to make investments because they have real potential asset value there on hand, plus the fact that they're clearing the precious gold and silver from the basic transaction. This is why I'm a gold and silver fan. And if you say, can you fake gold and silver? You can fake anything. You can fake an orgasm, okay? If you're asking, can you fake stuff? It's like asking how clever are these clever, deceitful monkeys that figured out how to scare buffalo 20 or 30,000 years ago over a fucking cliff. We're clever monkeys, folks. You know, I've said this and I'll say it again. Prostitution is not the oldest profession. The oldest profession is con artist. The oldest profession is grifter. The oldest profession is the fuzzy monkey. He says, look at me. I can tell you the water. I can tell you the wind. I can tell you the seed. It's magic. And I'm the fuzzy monkey. I'm the Skyhawk Shaman. I'm the Birdman. The Birdman of Easter Island. <laughs> yeah, there you go, folks. This is my opinion on crypto. It's about the transaction. I, I'm not impressed by your coins. I am impressed by a deterministic transactional network that is private and secure. That impresses me. So far, there have been a lot of third parties who claim to use crypto that way. But then I'm just led to believe, why would you even go there? Why wouldn't you just transact dollars? I'm not saying you should, but why not? And you could make the argument that crypto can act as a trusted intermediary. This is the argument you could make, that for certain kinds of transactions, it can act as a trusted intermediary. And I've even thought of applications of the blockchain, like, for example, a replacement for the current resume system, that you could have a blockchain-based resume. And I think other people have had this idea too, so I don't claim it's special. But you could use the blockchain 
to represent people's professional career paths. And then it would be there in this permanent record, like, you know, they say, forever and ever and ever, you're trapped here, scary hotel, scary little kids, forever and ever. Yeah, you're trapped. Anyways, I, I think there are applications of the blockchain that make sense to me. But frankly, I don't give a shit about the blockchain when it comes to buying to buying a cup of coffee and the person selling me the coffee doesn't give a fuck about the blockchain. What they care about is a predictable amount of money getting into their accounts so they can manage cash flow. And if your answer to that is, well, they can use a third party, then all of a sudden you're into that crooked world that you guys say has nothing to do with crypto, but you're always pointing your finger at this shit and saying you can use this lightning network or this other network or you can do this other type of thing and it works almost the same way. And it's like, that's just, that's a lot of fucking three card Monty bullshit right there. So if you want to know why I'm so harsh on crypto, it's not that complicated. And I even said it in the one white paper I wrote. It's not about the coin. It's about the transaction. It, it, you know, frankly, I'd prefer to transact in, in gold and silver, but still, it's not about some, some digital coin. It's about can you quickly and reliably and securely and privately transmit some value of wealth from A to B? If you can do that, Okay, I don't give a fuck if you call yourself a coin. You're, you're solving a problem that Visa and MasterCard already solves. And then you're outside the system. If you can do that quickly and match their speed, it, I just don't give a fuck. You should charge. This is where the value is. The value is in transactional flow. And you should charge based on that. And, and if it ends up becoming, naturally, a few big super networks, well, guess what? That's, that's natural order as long as it remains free. You know, as long as there aren't laws protecting some of these networks, then yeah, you'd probably end up with some optimal networks forming coalitions. But ultimately, you're going to have a reliable way to send wealth, and it, will be de and it, it won't really be totally decentralized. It'll be more polycentric, as I've said in the past, but it will allow a reasonable level of peer-to-peer -peer behavior because of the security. But the thing is, that would never be the blockchain because the blockchain has to operate as a public ledger. So that's the problem. I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a great thing for problems of public information, but it's not necessarily a great thing... Um, with respect to your money. I, I really don't want what I do, even if it is just my public key, I don't want that on a permanent ledger. If you say, but it's just your public key, they can't, they can, listen, you give me a unique key and, a, and an electronic transaction, and I can start to build a model of who you are. I, I have enough little bits of information to figure out shit about you. So when people say things like, well, it's just your public key, Dude, that public key will be associated to your IP address, your mobile phone number, to computer network ID information, to any type of public cache available on your processor over the network. All of that will be scraped up. And this doesn't even get into the fucking, you know, the reality of the NSA 
CIA control, the deep state control of the chip companies. So there's a fucking battleship of stuff, man in the middle architecture on those CPUs. Listen, buddy, pal, friend. I don't know. But the reality is I don't care about the coin. I care about the transaction. And I think a lot of merchants, that's what they, if you ask them, do they care if you're hodling coins in your basement? It'd be like asking them, do they care if you're polishing and painting little Hobbit characters for D&D in your basement? I don't think they care if you're painting little characters, you know, made out of pewter. They don't give a fuck. What they care about is how are they going to be more agile in their business if they use your network? That's what they care about. They don't, I, I don't, I honestly think that a lot of them want reliable cash flow. And then they want to, they, they're going to keep the freedom of how to invest that. You see, the problem, another problem with the whole crypto thing is they trap you into, but this is more than money. This is an investment. But the problem is that's kind of what, what went wrong with a lot of banks prior to the great financial crisis is that they, they mixed commercial private banking with investment banking. They mixed it all together and that meant they ended up putting a lot of stuff at risk, a lot of assets at risk. Um, you know, I think merchants want to be able to make their own investment decisions. This means that they want to use the currency or the token as a way to transmit wealth reliably. They're not using it to invest. And this is something a lot of hodlers don't fucking get. They think they're gonna become millionaires, billionaires. In what world? You're still fucking calculating your value in terms of dollars. You need to start thinking in terms of fucking bacon or eggs or potatoes. How many potatoes are you going to get for your Bitcoin? I don't give a fuck how many dollars you get because guess what? That number might get really, really big and it won't really matter, fucker. It, it just ain't going to buy much. So that's where I'm at, man. I'm being a dead horse here. I probably need to move on because I think I'm, oh my God, I'm almost two hours. This is a, this is a shit show. I haven't done a two hour one in a while. And mostly I've been beating up on crypto. But I have my reasons, folks. I have my own reasons. I, I think that there's a path we could take with technology. It could have been very different. It, it wasn't, but it could have been. And we were led to believe the path we were on, that that kind of Microsoft, Apple, Google kind of path was sort of the, the natural path of freedom. But folks, we marched right into a ghetto, into a digital ghetto. And, and this is not an original thought on my part. These are ideas that go back decades. People have described the digital ghetto, the place you end up where they herd you. We've been herded. I mean, I, I can tell you personally that my situation is very much controlled. And that includes email. Okay. My phone calls, I don't know if they're whatever. I think just about everybody's phone calls are probably recorded at this point if they can be. Um, but yeah, I get harassed by the whatever, you can call it the system. Something happened with me with GoDaddy a year ago and that was pretty bad. 
Anyways, this is a huge tangent to say, if you want to donate, you can. I don't take crypto. If you think I'm a dick because I beat up on crypto, understand that I will use your crypto when it works for me. If you can understand that simple concept, then you can get over whatever issues you have because worst case scenario for me is you get to basically laugh in my face. Look at how rich I became. I'm a crypto billionaire and I have 50 hooker wives and 17 cars made out of gold and diamonds. And I travel to Mars to have martinis with Elon Musk because I'm a crypto gazillionaire. I have a powerful jet plane. I wear a rocket pack. My penis has been enhanced with robot technology. Yeah. You, you can laugh in my fucking face and tell me about this shit. But I also know that I'm not likely to change anyone's opinion at this point. I was talking to my brother about that today. And it's just, and I've talked about it in the podcast. I think we're at the point in the game. We're at that threshold point. And if you want to understand what I'm talking about, there's a book by Thomas Kuhn I've mentioned called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. But we're at that threshold point between, between major paradigms. I would say major ways of living that people are more or less stuck in their beliefs. And I won't say they're immovable, but frankly, they kind of are. Most of the people need to have that in-your-face evidence. And maybe it is related to that Mike Tyson thing. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Or what Von Moltke said. No plan survives first contact. Bottom line is, it, it will be shocking and a lot of people will need the shockingness. And that's assuming it's just the thing, just the collapse of the dollar. It's still going to be shockingly crazy. I mean, folks, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could tell you it's going to be so simple. It's going to be crazy. Does not mean end of the world, but it's going to be fucking crazy. And there's going to be crazy people doing crazy shit. And that's why it's probably smart to not live in a city. But I get why people do. Right now, that's where the money is. It's, it's certainly not in the countryside, baby. I mean, some of it is, where they're, where they're pumping oil out of the ground. And I suppose if you have a big enough farm. Anyways, folks, I'm at two hours now. And I really didn't expect to do a two-hour podcast. Um... I'm not going to apologize for it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope if you're a crypto person, you can at least understand people have perspectives. Um, and frankly, if you're really a crypto person who believes in what they're doing, you shouldn't give a rat's ass about some middle-aged burnout's opinion on Bitcoin or anything. I mean, that's also my point of view on this. Uh, and it's also why I, I am a, very skeptical, so that there's this kind of aggression towards anybody questioning it but when you think about it if you're really certain of what you're doing and you're certain it's so amazing then just let the market decide it will i mean remember napster this is the thing i would exist this is the example i'd use remember napster every motherfucker i knew was using napster overnight okay and they were all taking advantage of and pirating music now were they breaking the law? Of course they were. The thing is, it was so easy to use. 
and it and it spread so rapidly, so virally, that it was pretty much impossible to stop. Like after Napster, you end up with Tor networks, and you're not going to stop all these Tor networks. They're just going to be there. It's part of the dark web. They're going to be people running file servers with numeric IP addresses on sockets that you wouldn't even think of, and they're just going to be doing their thing, trading data. And, and you know, it's encrypted data. And it's going to happen. That's something that people, you know, have understood. You can shut the network down, you can close it down, but you close down everybody. Anyways. Anywho, I've really beat a dead horse. But like I said, if you want to donate, you can. I can use the money. Who can't? If you need the money, you need to keep it. And, and I simply say thank you for listening. And if you know people that would enjoy my podcast, even people that love crypto, love Bitcoin, love crypto, love Ethereum, got the doge, they got the coin, they got the coin power, they got a girlfriend, she lives in Silicon Valley. She's your sugar, honey. She's your sugar, honey, baby, because you're a crypto bazillionaire. Yes, you're a crypto bazillionaire millionaire, and you have a sugar hottie in the Silicon Valley, and you call her your honey bunch, and you guys get to drive your fucking old-style artisanal bullshit British style fucking convertible sports car up some fucking highway heading up to fucking coast to a fucking winery where you get some fucking red wine and maybe you sit down and have a nice fucking dinner and you say to each other, isn't this great? <laughs> and it is great, baby. Because we're special people. We're special people. We pay our taxes. We're special people. We vote for who we vote for. I do the crypto. I make a little money. I buy artisanal cheese from the man who fled Croatia. Yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying that if you want to donate, you can, but you don't have to. I don't know who's buying cheese from Croatians. That's a whole other topic. If you want to take your sports car and drive it up the fucking coast to some fucking winery and have a special dinner with Honey Bunch and sit there and think about your Skliga's pipe and think about her buvula, that's okay. That's okay. Just make sure you order a nice Pinot. A nice, light, sharp red. Something with an oaky flavor. Something with a bit of a back taste. That blackberry, raspberry currant. 
something with a bit of that, I don't know, that sagey, deserty, tasty thingy. It makes your grapes so flavorful. It is the flavonoids. You're getting drunk. You're getting drunk. You're getting drunk, baby. You're getting drunk. Yes, I don't care if you want to drive up the coast and get fucking hammered with your fucking hooker wife at some fucking winery. That's your business, baby. If you got yourself a fucking yacht and you want to take it up to Oregon and park it like Coos fucking Bay and go to some hidden winery that only the fucking Masons know about, I don't care. I mean, really. That's where I think we're at in the game. If you want to call this whatever, I've been calling it Boblimpdoc because it sounds better, I think, than the great discontinuity. But the fact is, if history had froze for a while, a la Fukuyama, in 2019 it became unstuck. And so a lot of stuff's going to happen, baby. And some of it's going to be big and some of it's going to seem small at first, but will really end up being big. And a lot of it's going to be crazy. And some of it's going to be beautiful. And there's going to be creativity if people are willing to embrace freedom. And I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel if we embrace freedom. If we embrace tyranny, if we embrace the prison, then we are in shitloads of trouble. Because that formula only ends up in one place. So yeah. I don't care if you want to drive up the coast in your fucking convertible, your British, you know, fucking whatever, your midget MG shithole, your shithole MG car, you're driving with your honey bunch, you get to the winery, it's near Tuluma, Tuluma, California. It's where they have the naked rituals. Yes, they dance nakedly before the Pacific Ocean where the herring are making love. They dance nakedly near the salmon as they go up the stream to spawn their child salmon. Yes, Tuluma. Tuluma, California. That's where your fucking winery is, you fucking piece of shit. And I don't care. <laughs> your fucking winery. I don't know. I'm just kidding. If, you, if you're going to take your girlfriend to a winery, maybe in the coming weekend or something, God bless, have fun, find joy. I'm just kidding about all this other shit. Probably it's going to be okay. But um, be careful, though. Love is a many splendid thing covered in knives and high explosives. Love is a wonderful thing that lives right next to Chernobyl. Love is a rocket ship moving really, really fast 
towards a black hole. Love is excitement, like the fireworks. But fireworks can hurt. Fireworks can hurt, just like love. Love is the fission in the fusion. Love is the laser on the blazer. Love is a hand grenade covered in chocolate shoved up your butt. Shoved up your butt. <laughs> yeah, I should end this podcast now. I should. I should if I had any integrity. But I don't. Nah, I don't know. Brothers and sisters, if you're out there, whatever you're doing, try to find some joy in this life. Um, try to. I'm not a hedonist. I'm not advocating for simple pleasure. It's just that life isn't hell just because it gets crazy. And if I can advocate for anything, it is the psychological agility to find joy in things that might seem today rather simple. To have the psychological agility to find joy in things that are not as complicated as what we have right now. And if you can figure out how to do that, then I think you're going to be okay. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you're going to be doing okay. Um, if you can't negotiate with reality and accept where it's at, then I think it's going to be hard. Um, and maybe this is why I've been such a hobo the last decade. Because I prefer to live closer to my ground state, which is probably, I live, in, yeah, in a storm drain. And, and I'm obsessed with my storm drain lover. She's somewhere in Florida. Her last name, Kennedy. She'll be my storm drain lover. She'll be my storm drain lover. Yeah, maybe that's where I end up is in a storm drain. And maybe that's not the worst place to end up. So anywho, on this Monday, my God, January the 30th, right? January the 30th, 2023, Bo Blimtok. Just after 6 p.m. Mountain, St Mountain Standard Time here in the great state of Utah's, here where the ancient mountains scream and yell the fiery gold truth of a great piracy. If you know of the great gold theft of 1849 or maybe 57, perhaps 1863 Bob Limtock, there was a great thievery of massive amounts of sacred gold entrusted to the 17 Jorgens. They were all supposed to be protected before the throng. And none of it was protected. All of it was rejected. Just like the inner tube shoved into the sphincter. Just like the blink disc pipe that's filled with acid. Just like the diesel fuel and the copper tubing. It's not very friendly. It's not very nice. It doesn't go in nice. It doesn't come out nice.
No, if you're listening on this Monday, I'm going to finally end it here, right? It's almost 6.15 p.m. And um, I appreciate if you're just listening. I, I know I have to beg for money periodically. I, when I first started doing this, I didn't really do that. And that people said that's stupid. And it's like, well, there's truth to that. But on the other hand, these have been hard times for a lot of people for at least 10 years. This Obama recovery bullshit is part of that. I wouldn't necessarily call it a psyop. I would say it's part of the propaganda that there was this gigantic economic recovery. For a lot of this country, that never fucking happened. Um, and it doesn't mean they didn't print a lot of money. It doesn't mean they didn't use a lot of financial you know, wink, wink bullshit. They did all that. They did all that to keep the game show going. It's why I think Jerome Powell is a clown and understand he is a clown and his job is to keep the plate spinning. None of those plates should hit the ground, but if one does, they should all, they should all hit the ground, which means keep the plate spinning until no plate can. That's Jerome's job. There's no soft landing. I mean, if you think flying a 747 into a mountain is a soft landing, then I suppose there's a soft landing. But there's no soft landing from where we're at. This is wily coyote territory. And it is not going to be graceful. It is not going to be linear. You're not going to have very much warning. And it will very much feel like, in that Mike Tyson quote sense, being punched in the face for a lot of people. And frankly, if I've learned anything in the last couple of years, I've learned that even I am a little bit too far off the ground. I mean, I know a lot of people, they're at about 100,000 feet. So they have a lot of, you know, distance to descend and hopefully hit the ground without dying. I still feel about 20 feet off the ground. And you can definitely get harmed 20 feet off the ground at my age. It can happen. So I don't know. Anywho, this has gotten weird. But what I will say is, I hope you have a great Monday. It is, you know, right now at 6.15 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in the great state of Utah, January the 30th, 2023, Bo Blimp Talk. And so you might be having your evening meal or your scrumto God bless and enjoy the rest of your Monday.